Thanks for checking out the Refuge Official Podcast. Wherever you're from, we hope that this message will encourage you and help you grow in your relationship with God. Now, here's our lead pastor, Matthew Malik. Are you ready for the word this morning? I brought a particular Bible with me this morning that uh, uh, I had when I first sensed the call of God in my life. When God spoke to me that he had a plan for me to be a minister of the gospel. And uh, that was a number of years ago. And I'm thankful that I was uh, able to answer that call, even in, in, in a sense of me being uh, overwhelmed with a sense of inadequacy. Oh, God, why would you call me? Why, how could you use me? But I was reading in, in the book of Luke when Jesus commissioned the 70. And while I was reading that passage, I felt the presence of God come into the room I was at. And I began to sense an overwhelming sense that he had called me to the ministry. And so I stand before you today because I answered that call. And so as we minister this word, as we begin this series, uh, we realize that the word I have, I believe, is relevant for this year in in particular. Um, Before this year, uh, the Lord started dealing with me about the meaning of life. And as we move into the year 2018, as we move into this year, that this was a year that we would discover the meaning of life. And that that would be an underlining theme of of how we would minister throughout the year in helping people discover the meaning of life. Now, in this new series, Seasons, we realize that there's a time for everything. And so we're going to be uh, addressing Ecclesiastes chapter 3, which you saw on the uh, the screen behind us of all the times, a time to be born, a time to die, and all those seasons of life that we go through. And uh, our series key verse is found in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1. And if you want to turn there, if you have your Bibles, please do. Ecclesiastes 3, verse 1. For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. Uh, we're going to pray at this time, and, and I just wanted to share with you, I, I think Sam did a wonderful job sharing about uh, Memorial Day, but we do want to call to remembrance the lives that were sacrificed and given for our freedom. And just some statistics, when you look at the number of casualties throughout Americans' history, Amer- the United States of America's history, and back to the American Revolutionary War, there were 25,000 casualties. Uh, The Northwest Indian War, some of you probably don't even know about that. There was a little over 1,000. The War of 1812, 20,000. In a number of wars, there were casualties. Every war has a number of casualties. The American Civil War had the greatest number of casualties at 625,000 men who lost their lives really fighting for freedom. Freedom so that slavery could be abolished in our great country. Uh, and then World War I, World War II, uh, 
the numbers are staggering of those that have given their lives to defend freedom. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this opportunity to share your word. And as we celebrate Memorial Day this weekend, Father, we're mindful of the lives that were given to defend our freedom, the bravery, the courage that these men and women displayed in fighting for our country, in fighting for truth and justice. Father, we pray that we would remember the cost and the price that was paid and honor these men and women who served and those who currently serve in our military. In Jesus' name we pray. And Father, we thank you for the word that I present this morning. I pray that you give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart to receive truth that will make a difference in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. So, Ecclesiastes, if you want to jump over to chapter 3 then, we're going to just read this uh, verses uh, 2 through 8. And each week from this point on, we're going to take uh, one of these times and one of these seasons and we're going to address it from a biblical standpoint because these are seasons that affect all of us, seasons that we deal with in our culture, in our life. So in verse 2, it says, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. Verse 3, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and the time to build up. Verse 4, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. Verse 5, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. And I can remember picking stones raised on the farm. We would pick stones every spring. And I'd ask my dad, I said, Dad, why? We did this last year. How come there's more stones in this field? And you know what he told me? I actually believed him for a little bit because I was a young boy. He said, well, the devil pushes them up from underground. And I said, yeah, I, I kind of halfway believe that, you know. Uh, anyway, uh, verse, it goes on to say, uh, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. Verse 6, a time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away. Now, if you're a hoarder, you need to really focus on that one there, okay? Um, <laughs> verse 7, a time to tear and a time, tear, like rip apart, okay? And a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. Now, some of these may cause conflict just in your theology, your belief system. What do you mean a time to hate? Well, there's a time to hate, and you'll learn all about that as we explore and navigate through this series. The title of part one of this uh, series called Seasons is The Meaning of Life. And I want you to look at Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 17, turn there, and we'll begin with this as we explore the meaning of life. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 17, and I'm reading from the English Standard Version. So I hated life, because what is done under the sun was grievous to me, for all is vanity and a striving after wind. 
I want to ask you this question. I want to pose this before you. Do you hate your life? Now, there's a number of people that absolutely do. They would say yes to this question. And maybe some hate their life, but they're not willing to admit it. And, and, and it's not necessarily hatred where you despise it, but there's something that you're not satisfied with as far as where you're presently at in your life, okay? And so, uh, but be honest, you're not alone. There are people that hate their life. And without God, without Christ, uh, it's more common because they don't really have a definitive purpose for their lives. See, now there are two contexts in which individuals may hate their life. One positive and one negative. Now, King Solomon, who wrote the book of Ecclesiastes, is speaking about the negative hatred of hating your life, the negative context of that. But Jesus spoke about a positive context of hating your life in John chapter 12, verse 21. And he said, whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Now, we need to understand in the context of how Jesus is speaking, he's talking and referring to your life in a self-serving way. See, we need to hate that element of selfishness that we see in our life, okay? I don't want to live life selfishly. And that's what Jesus was addressing. So we have to, there's certain aspects of our life that we should hate because we don't want to be that way anymore because God holds and has a higher standard and destiny for us, okay? And so there's certain things I hate about my life, but in the context of living according to God's purpose, I shouldn't hate my life because God's given me a life to live that can bring glory and honor to him that serves a greater purpose, that has a destiny attached with it, okay? And so uh, as we continue here, if you've ever read the book of Ecclesiastes, it can be quite depressing. In fact, you know, the first time I read it, I said, oh, I, I want to get past this book. This is, I'm, this, I, I just I literally felt depressed. I said, this Solomon, here's a guy that had it all, the richest and wisest man on the planet. And he's talking like this. He seemed miserable. And, you know, and, and he had his struggles. And, and so he's basically laying that out before us to see. And now, uh, but we can't miss the message. And see, I used to read Ecclesiastes. I would pass right through it. And I missed the whole message. I missed the whole point that he's trying to bring across. And so uh, there was a time that I decided I'm going to read this book because there's a message I need to hear. Okay? And so in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verses 1 and 3, uh, we, we understand that this whole problem is stated in the, in, the, in the introduction of the book. In fact, the basic theme of Ecclesiastes, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. It's uh, the fertility of life apart from God. Life is futile. I mean, it's, uh, life is meaningless without God. That's really the whole theme of Ecclesiastes. So in chapter 1, verse 1, it says, The words of the preacher, and Solomon calls himself the preacher, the son of David, king in Israel, or king in Jerusalem, 
Verse 2, vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? I mean, what a way to start the book. I mean, you know, you're, you're already depressed. I know it. <laughs> oh, hey, what's the use? It's all, van- it's all vain. See, a key word in Ecclesiastes is vanity, which means meaningless. So he's basically saying all is meaningless. It's meaningless. It's useless. What are you doing? You know, just going through life. Nothing really matters. There's no, really, no real point to all of this. And, and see, and, and really when you, under, when you think that way, that's the real premise for humanism because there's no real definitive purpose for our life. We just showed up one day. We just came on the scene, but we have no real purpose or destiny. Um, now, a brief overview of Ecclesiastes, and, and I wanted to share this, lay this out here. Uh, we see the fertility of life in chapters 1 and 2, and as I said, another word for vanity is fertility or uselessness. And we see in those first two chapters the fertility of the cycles of life, fertility of human wisdom, pleasure and wealth, the fertility of materialism, all that's addressed in those first two chapters. And then in in chapter 3, we see God's plan unfolding with the seasons, a time for this, a time for that. Uh, Chapters uh, beyond that, uh, 4 and 5, address evil oppression, the emptiness of hard work, uh, political success, human religion, and human riches. All that's addressed in verses or chapters 4 and 5. Then uh, the futility of life as a whole is addressed in chapter 6, where wealth cannot satisfy, children cannot satisfy, and labor cannot satisfy. And then chapters 7 through 12, it actually lays out the counsel for living with vanity. Okay, So in view of man's wickedness, uh, the counsel in view of the uncertainties of life, the aging process of life, and all that. So that's the outline of Ecclesiastes in a nutshell, okay? So you just got that. We can all go home now, right? No, we can't. So realize that Ecclesiastes is a book of perspective. It's a book of perspective. The narrative of the preacher reveals depression as the result of seeking happiness in worldly things, okay? So you can get all this stuff, but it's how you go about it that is wrong, and that's what he's addressing. This book gives us a chance to see the world through the eyes of the wisest and the richest man on the planet at that time. Uh, We know that Jesus was wiser than Solomon, but uh, Solomon at the time was known as the wisest man on the earth. He actually pursued wisdom, and made it a priority in his life, okay? Which we should as well. Now, he is trying to find meaning in the temporal um, and ultimately uh, the, this temporal world without God and, and realize he comes to the conclusion you can't find it. You can't find happiness. You can't find peace. You can't find fulfillment in life without God, okay? And that's what so many people are trying to do in our culture today. They're trying to find all these things without God in the equation. So they kick him out of systems and they eliminate him from the, the, the essence of, of what life is all about. And they're left discouraged and disheartened because of it all. 
Now, Solomon accepts the fact that life is ultimately worthless without God. And see, he, the constant striving for more, whether it's possessions, power, influence, uh, it's only a trap that leads to further emptiness. And it's never really fulfilled. No matter how successful somebody becomes, they still, they still feel empty inside. They're never satisfied inside without God. Okay? And that's, you hear me say that, without God. Because you can't eliminate God from the equation. Or you end up like the picture of what Solomon is talking about. So finding contentment is also theme or objective of Solomon's quest. And I believe obedience to God yields its own reward. It really does. In fact, uh, it's, it's, it's not just a reward of when we leave this life and go to heaven. Uh, we have a reward now in this life as well. Uh, because godly living brings peace, it, it brings harmony, it brings a sense of fulfillment in our life, and, and all that. So the theme uh, that we see here in, in Ecclesiastes is actually reflected in the Apostle Paul's letter to Timothy, where he said, godliness with contentment is great, ca- great gain. Let me say that again. Godliness with contentment is great gain. And so there's, there's something, when God's involved, that makes a difference. And so, the meaning of life, we need to understand that seasons of life help us to know the meaning of life. And so next week, we're going to start on all the, the seasons, the time for this and the time for that, okay? Uh, but point number one, if you're taking note, notes, I have three points for you. Point number one, and I've kind of already covered this, so I'll just share a couple more things about it. Life without God has no meaning or purpose. Life without God has no meaning or purpose. See, Ecclesiastes presents really a realistic perspective of a life without God. It has no meaning. Solomon proves his case in the dialogue that follows. See, underlining theme of Ecclesiastes is that life apart from God is pointless. Okay? And the author seems to come across in that disheartening way, um, questioning and airing frustrations because much in life is not completely understood. Is there something that you don't completely understand? Is there something you're dealing with that doesn't seem to make sense to you? Is there something that you're trying to just figure out? And what's this all about? See, we all go through those moments And Solomon went through those moments, but ultimately came to the conclusion, which we'll talk about in a little bit, okay? So the message of Ecclesiastes can be summed up as man left to his own strategies will always find life empty. See, the humanistic mindset is man is all we have to solve our own issues, Don't look to a God. There's not a greater power out there. We have to look within. But guess what? That will ultimately leave you empty. You'll find life empty. The reason people hate their life is because they don't know or understand the meaning of life. Okay? See, only with God's perspective revealed through a relationship with Jesus Christ can we understand life 
in its true meaning. Do you understand that? John 14, 6. I love this passage. Jesus said to him, and, and this was after uh, one of the disciples came to Jesus and said, show us the Father. Show us the Father. And, and then Jesus begins a discourse. And in verse 6, he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Okay? And so this is where we find life because Jesus is the life. Our life is in him. Okay? And, and we, when we find Jesus, I tell you, things change. How many of you would lift your hand and say, my life changed when I found Jesus. You found meaning. You found significance. You found purpose to your life. But yet we have life's challenges. And I think a challenge in today's society is to understand the true meaning of life. Especially when things happen that are confusing or discouraging or we just don't understand. We begin to question our belief system. We begin to say, okay, God, where are you? Have you ever been in that place where you thought, God, why did this happen? Why did you let this happen? And you begin to question even the integrity of the God of heaven. And sometimes even in questioning the integrity of the word of God. But there's, there's a reason for everything that you go through, that you deal with. You don't have all the answers. You don't have all the insight. But God will give you understanding. Understanding that will give you peace and security. And see, part of it is we have to be willing to trust him. Even though we don't understand it all. We trust him. And I'm not talking about a blind trust. I'm talking about a trust that's based on a, a confident understanding in a commitment to Jesus Christ, to the person of Jesus Christ, where we are committed to him. I tell you, I don't understand everything about my wife, but I trust her because I'm committed to her. And she's not a complicated woman at all, by any means. I'm just maybe more of a simple person. And so it takes me a little more to figure out how to understand her. And that's part of my quest you know, I want to be a blessing to her just as much as she wants to be a blessing to me. Um, uh, she took a picture of me yesterday. She, I was, I, we grilled out. We grilled out some chicken thighs. And, yeah, I'm, so I'm at the grill, and she steps out the front door, and she said, stand still. I said, what? So she got her phone up there, and she's zooming in or something. And then she said it like three times, stand still. Okay, so here I am, standing still. You know, I'm not moving. Quick, take the picture. I don't want the stuff to burn. Okay? She takes the picture, and then she says, turn around. And I turn around. Right behind me, there's a deer. And then she makes this beautiful comment, my two deers. Yeah, so. Yeah. So I thought that was cute. She actually posted that somewhere on social media. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Life has meaning. Again, I want to reiterate this, but its meaning is only found in right relationship with God. When our life is found in Christ, our purpose is discovered in Him. We find the true meaning of life in Christ. So, and I, I believe discovering 
The meaning of life is a quest. It needs to be a quest. And God's perspective is revealed to us when we're in relationship with Jesus Christ. That's when we can find true meaning. Point number two, the meaning of life can be found or discovered. And I kind of jumped ahead of myself, but you can write that down. The meaning of life can be found or discovered. And my challenge for you today is to ask God to help you better understand the meaning of life so that you can help others understand the meaning of life, okay? See, when things happen that are discouraging, that you don't understand, it becomes a quest. It becomes a discovery. It becomes a matter of you seeking it out and seeking God, spending time in his presence, spending time in his word, because you want to know and understand the meaning of life. And, and I want to challenge especially young people here today, remember your creator in your youth. Uh, towards the end of the chapter, the last chapter in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 1, it says, remember also your creator in the days of your youth. Before the evil days come and the years draw near of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. In other words, when you get to the point, I don't enjoy life anymore. I've lived my life, but I don't enjoy life anymore. I'm at the end of my life. And so the exhortation by King Solomon is remember God in the days of your youth. Make that commitment when you're young. Don't put it off because you, you think you have a lot of time. See, some people think, I have a lot of time. I can just party. I can just live it up. I can do my own thing. And then when I get older, I can become a little more serious and really get my life together. I don't have that mentality because you're not guaranteed tomorrow, okay? You might not be around. Um, So, all right, point number three. We're going to just move right along with this. An eternal perspective is what gives life meaning, and this is important. See, some of us don't have an eternal perspective. And that's why life has no meaning to us. Because we're living for the moment. And we don't see that there's a greater picture, there's a bigger picture that's beyond this life. That what we do today can impact eternity. And if we don't have that perspective, then we won't truly understand the meaning of life. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11, I love this passage. It says, He has made... Everything beautiful in its time. Wow. So he's beautifying us. He's making you and I beautiful. Okay? There's a beautification process going on right now. Okay? And you might not think so. Well, God, you got a long way to go. I mean, maybe. Okay? And it goes on to say, look at the word also. Attached. This is in addition to also. So he's made everything beautiful in his time. Also, say also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning of time. So God has already placed eternity in our heart. It's there. That sense of eternity dwells within us. You are an eternal creature, an eternal being. Okay, and that's already something you possess. Uh, dropping down to verse 14, Ecclesiastes 3, uh, the scripture reads, I perceive that whatever God does endures forever. Okay, there's an eternal impact on what God does. Nothing can be added to it or nothing taken from it. God has done it 
so that people fear before him. See, so what God has done in us has an eternal consequence, an eternal impact. And so we have to think about an eternal perspective. And, and a number of years ago, we had come across a series by John Bevere called uh, Driven by Eternity. And that teaching rocked my world because I began to live life in light of eternity because I wasn't placing eternal value on what I did necessarily. I mean, I thought I was, but not to the degree that I knew I should. And so I began to change some things in my life in living my life in placing an eternal perspective on what I'm doing. What does this have to do with eternity? And now that's not saying you can't enjoy a boat ride, you can't enjoy going fishing and doing some of those things, but what we do that really matters or counts, is it going to have an eternal impact? Okay? We need to ask ourselves that question. Now, whatever God does, he does it with an eternal perspective in mind. Most people do not live their lives in light of eternity, placing eternal value on what they do because they're too focused on the here and now. Okay? And not, you might say, you know, the, we look at the sweet by and by, and, oh, it's, uh, or some people think, you know, they're so heavenly minded, they're not earthly good. Uh, you know, those are cliches we use uh, when our head is in the clouds, you know. But God is wanting us to live with a revelation of eternity because it'll change how you think, it'll change how you act, it'll change how you speak, okay? It really will. Having an eternal perspective will cause you to invest your time in things that are meaningful rather than meaningless. Maybe it's less Netflix or something, you know. Hmm. Uh, for those who trust God, know that his eternal plan is to make all things beautiful in time. This implies that we all have our time to be beautified, okay? He will make all things beautiful concerning your life, regardless of your present life condition and situation. Because it may be ugly right now. You may be going through the muck, the mud, the mess, but God is going to bring beauty out of that. He's going to take the junk. The Bible says that God takes all things and works them together for his good. He does. He works it all together for good. That's the beautification process. We see that in Romans 8.28. So in the conclusion, we see Ecclesiastes 12.13. It reads, The end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of man. Now to fear God doesn't mean you're afraid of God. To fear God is to have reverence and respect for him. Reverence and respect for his word. It means to honor him. It needs to respect him at a level. To acknowledge him for who he is and for what he has done and for, for what he wants to do in your life. Now there's two questions I want to ask you as we bring this service to a close. And this is maybe relating to you right now at the point of your life at this very moment. Number one, does life have meaning? Does your life have meaning? Does your life have meaning? 
need to think about that. And that's something you may need to take home and really ponder over and, and, and through this next week, begin to question and you know, evaluate and uh, you know, just look things over, introspect and all those terms that we look inward and you know, look at our lives and where we're at. Because you can be so busy just going through the motions and you're not really taking time to find out where am I at with God? Where am I at in my journey? on this earth. So does your life have meaning? And the second question is, has your life lost its meaning? Has your life lost its meaning? In a place where you're confused, you're discouraged, you don't have the hope uh, of what the future might hold, you don't have answers, and you're just in a stagnant place. God wants to meet you, and I promise he wants to meet you there today. And if you're taking notes, you can write this statement down. Your connection determines your direction. Your connection determines your direction. Who you're connected to, what you're connected to, will de- determine the direction of your life. And so I want to talk about being really connected to Jesus. And if you're not connected to Jesus... I'm going to extend that opportunity for you this morning to make that connection, to invite Jesus to be real in your life, to make a place in your heart for him, to allow him to be your Lord and your Savior, to invite him to take that place as your King, as your Lord, and as your God. See, So many people connect themselves with surface love, with conditional love, or fabricated love. But we want to connect with God's love today. In fact, no matter how unlovable we may think we are, God desires that we know and experience His love. Because that's a life changer. His love is a life changer. And maybe you feel that your life has no meaning So what's the use? What's the purpose? And maybe it's because you haven't made that connection with God. God wants to meet you in a significant way today. I want you to take a moment and bow your heads. You know, Jesus came to save sinners. He was on mission when he came to this planet to bring redemption to the lost He paid the price of redemption because all of us were found guilty because of sin, because of a nature that controlled our life since the fall of Adam. And Jesus came to offer us an escape route. By giving our life and our heart to him, we can find forgiveness. And if you're here today and you say, Pastor, I know my life is not right with God. If I were to die today, I'm uncertain where I'd go. I don't know if I'd go to heaven or hell or wherever. But I'm ready to surrender my life today. I want to make that connection with Jesus. I want to make that connection with God. If that's you, I want you to lift your hand so I can see it. I'm looking across the auditorium. If you're here and you say, I need to make that connection with Jesus. I'm willing to open my heart and life to him. 
You know, it's interesting, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 9. Apostle Paul is talking about the end. Because when we die, when we leave this earth, we're going one or two places. In verse 9, it says, They will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. When I read that, I don't want to be sent away from the presence of the Lord. Because away from the presence of the Lord, there's eternal destruction. There's punishment. Now you might say, how could a God of love do that? No, it's, it's to be separated from him because you haven't accepted him or received him. He's not going to force himself on you. But to reject him, there's only one consequence or one outcome. In Matthew 25, verse 46, the scripture reads, and these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. The word righteous means right with God. And we're made right with God when we invite Jesus into our heart. I want you to stand together and we're going to pray a prayer together. And if you raised your hand, or maybe you should have raised your hand but didn't because you were afraid of what might happen, I'm not going to call you out or anything like that, but I am going to call on you to pray this prayer and commit your life to Jesus. Repeat after me, Heavenly Father, I open up my heart and my life to you. I believe you sent Jesus Christ to come to this world. He died on the cross for me and he rose from the dead. He offers forgiveness of sins. I accept that offer today. Lord Jesus, I believe in you. I put my faith in you. Come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. I receive you now. Forgive me of my sins and make my life what you want it to be. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer sincerely for the first time, or maybe some of you prayed that because you were renewing your commitment to Jesus, I assure you that right now, the presence of God is meeting you at your point of greatest need. And he's going to show himself strong on your behalf. Now, for the others, I want to conclude in another prayer, and I actually uh, wrote this down, a little prayer that we can all pray, and I can email this to you if you want me to. Um, and you can repeat this after me. Lord, help me to better understand the meaning of life. Give me a revelation of the bigger picture so that I can gain more of your perspective in my daily walk. Allow my life to effectively communicate the true meaning of life to others. At Refuge, we believe all people matter to God. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to connect further with Refuge, feel free to go online to wearerefuge.net or on social media at wearerefuge.